Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Today we have Eric Johnson. Hello. Uh, he is a, I guess, SWBA. Did you do SBS too? Uh, a little, yeah. Okay. So SWBA, SBS uh, tournament guy. Uh, so word on the street, this is from other people, is he's the Sandbass master. He kills it. So I'm, I'm super interested because I'm way into Calico Sandbass. And I've heard nothing but awesome things about Eric. So... Let's find out how this all started, bro. How did you start fishing? Um, so I don't know the exact uh, timeline, but I know when I was in elementary school, we used to go uh, camping up at Bishop. So we'd, we'd camp and we'd camp right by the creek there in Bishop and we'd fish. Um, didn't really know what we were doing. My dad kind of knew a little bit, but he wasn't really a fisherman. Mm-hmm. Um, but he would kind of take us and show us. Um, and we would do that every summer. And then uh, as we got older, I started to like get more interested and it would go to like like Kmart was really the only game in town when I was younger. There was no Walmart. Um, so I'd go to Kmart as a kid. Yeah. And I'd just be fascinated by the fishing section. I'd be walking through and looking at stuff and just yeah. kind of wondering, you know, Hey, what, you know, what, how, how do you use this? And what is this? And look at that cool color and stuff like that. Um, and then middle school, we went on a road trip to Nebraska to visit my grandma. And on the way back, we stopped in Yellowstone and we fished a little bit and I hooked a trout in the eye. And that was, uh, that was it for me. That was, that's really what got me into the trout it. Trout in the eye, huh? Trout in the eye. And then, uh, and then, uh, from there, like my dad would take me, um, like on the weekends, he would, you know, drive me somewhere and he'd fish with me till about noon. Uh, that's about as long as he could take it. Cause he didn't like fishing. So he'd sit there and read the newspaper, <laughs> um, and let me fish for, for about, you know, five hours or so. And did you grow up down here? I grew up in um, San Dimas. San Dimas. Okay, so, so close. Do you live around here right now? Uh, I live in Rancho Cucamonga. Okay, so not too far. Same, yeah, I'm about yeah. 50 miles okay. to Long Beach. Yeah, wow. So, so did you fish pudding stone a lot? Uh, I, yes, I did. So <laughs> when I got my driver's license, um, I almost lived there. You know, I'd go there after school almost every day. I think the longest, I think I fished like 30 three days in a row one time when, it, no when I first got my driver's license that spring. I, I went literally like every day after school. For like, it may not have been there 33 days, but I, I, I used to keep track of it. And I, you know, I was up to like 30 something, if I remember right. So the big question is, what's your PB out of that lake? Uh, nine and a half. 
That's great. I so. suck at that lake, man. <laughs> oh, that's a great lake to suck at. That's probably the second worst uh, lake in the country. You know, it's tough. You know, yeah. If you can catch fish out of there, it's you're you know, good. That's a good yeah, sign. I, yeah, I would give you that. Silverwood, so. did you used to hit a lot? And uh, we did a few trips to Silverwood, um, but not too much. It was mostly uh, when I first started fishing. I was really into trout fishing. Okay, so we'd follow the trout truck around. So they'd stock Pudding Stone on Tuesday usually, and we'd call. Hey, did you guys stock the lake today? And uh, you know, you'd call the the number and. You know, barring weather, uh, adverse weather, water and road conditions, the following lakes will be stocked by the department. Yeah. Of, you know, I had that me- you know, message memorized because we yeah. called it every week. And we'd, we'd go down the day they stock trout and you used to be able to fish in the launch ramp area. Mm-hmm. And we'd catch 30, 40 trout like every time. And then, you know, we might go the next day and then we'd wait till they stocked it again. Yeah. Kind of repeat the process. So you're how old when you were doing that? Maybe 15? No, that was like like when I got my driver's license. Okay. So like 16. Okay. Um, we, you know, then Just straight driving. trout at that time. Trout, a little bit of bass. Okay. I wasn't really that great at bass. Um, I did a little bit of bass fishing, um, but mostly trout, bluegill, some catfish. Yeah. Uh, no, no salt water, I don't think, at that time. Okay. Um, so did you, as you got a little older, were you like, man, bass is like, you started getting yeah. a little more when into I, the bass? Like For Christmas, when I was a senior in high school, my parents had bought me a four, or 12-foot aluminum boat. Oh, nice, So I didn't dude. have a motor or anything. It just a 12-foot aluminum boat on a trailer. And uh, we would take that. I bought a, you know, saved up and bought a trolling motor and a yeah. battery, and we would go around Pudding Stone with that thing. And then uh, I got a, eventually got an outboard, uh-huh. um, the little Sears Game Fisher that broke down all the time, so I couldn't get too far <laughs> away from wherever I launched from. But what um, about Prado? Did you ever fish Prado? Yeah, I did. One of my first fishing trips with that boat, I had one of those fishing buddy fish finders. I don't know if yeah. you remember those. Um, you just like clamp it onto the side of a boat, mm-hmm. and we were taking that boat out to Prado. It was like the week they stocked catfish and we were just driving into the thing which was just going beep, beep, beep and the little Dude. fish were everywhere and we caught so many catfish that day. Like you couldn't even fish two rods. You'd throw one out and before you can get that second rod out, you had a fish on the first one and it was me and my cousin. We just, I don't even know how many we I caught. I love Prado, man. Yeah, it's one of, it's, it used to be one of my favorite lakes to fish. The bass fishing was pretty good there. Now it, now they had that big kill off. They drained the lake, I think right? they drained yeah. it, yeah. I just, I just read somewhere that they stocked it in October with some really? bass again. So maybe in yeah, another I used year to, I used to fish it probably like about three or four years ago, but I would disc golf. So I was a big disc golf. Oh, yeah, I liked doing yeah, yeah. that. So I'd go disc golf and then I'd go fish. And I remember I caught my first bed fish there. It was like five pounder. Oh, nice. And it was right in the toolies. Like it was, dude, I used to walk the backside uh-huh. and pitch like 80 pound braid, like back in there and kill like three or four pounders just because mm-hmm. it'd be so deep. And you'd think, man, I see a little hole. Maybe there's something in there, and then you'd flip into that thing and just get slammed. Yeah, I love that lake, man. That yeah, was a good lake. I used to, and then I'd go to a, was it Roscoe's right there, at the end where you I get off the remember. freeway. There's like a great like bar like place to eat, and I'd always stop at Roscoe's. But yeah, I love that lake, man. Yeah, I ended up buying my first place I bought was a, a condo. About oh, really? Three miles up the street from there. Would you always fish there? When I you didn't got that? surprisingly because that's when <laughs> I was hardcore into the SWBA, and all I did was saltwater bass fish. So oh, I didn't. Really? Okay. I wouldn't. I would never take a day off to go freshwater fishing. So wow. I was just focused on the saltwater at that, you know, so at what, that time of my life. So what triggered you? So you're, you're what, 18, 17, still freshwater, bass still. Yeah. I went on a couple, I went on a, like a three quarter day with my uncle who charted it with his work when I was probably 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and I caught, uh, like the jackpot sculpin it was like a sculpin so it wasn't a good day of fishing because it was you know sculpin that won the jackpot but you know as a kid i was like whoa this is pretty cool you know and that's kind of got but it was just so hard for me to get onto the ocean because it was you know 50 60 miles from my house yeah and when i got my driver's license my parents had a rule that i couldn't go more than 10 miles from the house i couldn't drive myself more than 10 miles from i the like house. that rule. so i had to stay yeah it was a good rule yeah. um, are you going to enforce that same rule 
Uh, yeah, if my kids get their driver's <laughs> license, you know, it sounds like kids these days, um, Uber. they don't, well, yeah, it sounds like none of the kids these days get their driver's license, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, most of the kids I know that are 16, 17, 18, when I ask them, oh, you drive? No, no, you know, so I guess Uber's maybe taking the yeah, place of that. my son's ready to take my truck, so <laughs> he's yeah. like, when I get my license to get a truck, and I'm like, we'll, we'll see, maybe, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know yeah. if I trust you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, I've seen a lot of car wrecks on the, you know, I never right? saw car wrecks when, when I was younger, and now that I'm older and I go fishing at three o'clock in the morning, right. you see a lot of fatal car accidents on Dude. the freeway, so it's, yeah, it's, it's scary to think so about your kids times. driving. Yeah, right. So, How many kids do you have? I have two, a seven two. and a five. Oh, wow. How so. old are you right now? Uh, 38. Okay, so yeah. you're saying I'm 38 too. I'll be 39 in July. Nice. So same thing. That's cool, man. So you got a little on the sport boats, and then what kind of triggered the whole uh, saltwater bass, like calico, um, sand bass? Well, my first boat was a 12-foot Valco, um, and we would take that when I was probably 18 or 19 maybe. We would start taking that to the break wall. Okay. So we'd go at night to the break wall. Um, it's a ske- it could be sketchy, huh? Yeah, we well in the evening, you know, you could go yeah. like once it starts to get dusk, it's pretty mellow, you know. Yeah. Uh, but you know, if you go at three o'clock in the afternoon, you're gonna get your brain speed in. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was you know, it was never I was never nervous. The, the most the scariest thing to me I think I ever had in that boat when I was that young was uh, the fog rolled in one night. We were fishing and we were you know we would launch at Cabrillo, and we would fish the middle section and uh, the fog rolled in. This is before GPS or cell phone or anything. And so we were like, well, we'll just hug the wall back and, and you know, but you had to go through the, the Angel's Gate Gap. Yeah. And we were going through that and it's just like, you can hear the fog horns and you're like, you know, it's a pretty long section when it was foggy, you couldn't see the other side. So we were just kind of, you know, luckily we made it across and we just kind of slowly kind of followed that wall. But that was one of the scariest. That for sure. That's a big gap, like with fog. Yeah. My boat broke down right there. Oh yeah. I had a brand new low and my injector went out and I was like, fuck. And I'm going, and there was fog. I had the same thing kind of happen. Uh-huh. And I'm like, shit, dude, we're in the middle of the, you know, yeah. where the boats are coming Yeah. And that's out. the that thing scary. too. There's a lot of big boat traffic. Oh, yeah. There's tug boats and I'm sure. And the, they go fast. And I'm sure the 12 foot little boat doesn't pick <laughs> up on a, you know, radar from one of those yes, boats. Exactly. So. Um, yeah. That was one of the scary incidences I had in that boat. Um, but yeah, we would start there and then we would go to Newport Harbor. We would used to um, hand launch. We didn't, I didn't even know where the launch ramp was for like three or four years at newport i didn't even know they had a launch ramp we would drive we just drove down around there and just looked for like beach houses kind of that had big gaps between them and we would drag our boat down between the sand no way and drag the motor drag the trolling motor and all that stuff and then you know we would every once in a while we get yelled at by some rich lady like what are you guys doing it's five o'clock in the morning you know so um we eventually found the launch ramp but so and then from there i just kind of moved up so from that boat i went to I traded some guy for a 15-foot Gregor, okay. which was significantly larger boat. Um, and the problem with that boat was it leaked. So we'd go fish. We did a lot of halibut fishing in Long Beach Harbor. And, uh, you know, in the afternoon, it'd get, it'd get rough there. And you'd be going, you know, I had a bigger motor on it. So it'd go like 20. And you'd hit a wave and, and water would squirt through some of the holes on that Dude, boat because it, you know, had sketchy. little cracks yeah. in it and stuff. Um, so that kind of, you know, I, that moved me a little further and further. And I'd start taking that boat like a mile or two miles out. And then when I was... 21 i think i bought a a crestliner um like a 16 foot crestliner like okay. a brand new one my parents finance and i paid them like they bought it and oh, I, brand I, made, new. I paid them yeah i made where'd the you get it from the, uh boat depot in san diego i believe okay so i i just bought the boat they had said they'd loaned me the money i had to pay them back 100 bucks a month for however long it was going to take to pay oh, it back I hear that. and I so i had that happen with cars um <laughs> 
I just bought the boat, no motor. I took the motor from my old boat because it was a 25 horsepower and it worked pretty good. So I just put it on as a tiller, but the boat had a steering wheel, but it didn't, wasn't hooked up. Okay. So I used a tiller and lasted about six months and that motor blew. And then, uh, my so you parent, just bought the hole. Then you didn't yeah, the okay. hole in the trailer. Okay. Um, and then like six months later, the motor blew and I was like having a hard time finding a, a used motor. Um, so my parents were like, well, you can borrow the money again. <laughs> so, um, actually I think they ended up buying that motor as like a college graduation. You better graduate college <laughs> kind of gift for the, I saw the pay for the boat, but they, I think they bought yeah. the motor if I remember right. What size motor did you get? It was a 40 horsepower Suzuki. Four stroke? Four stroke, yeah. Wow. So nice, yeah, I was in heaven yeah. at that time because I always had two strokes that You're were like, not Let's reliable. You're like, Diamond Valley. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't. Diamond Valley wasn't even open at no the time. No way! So, wow. Uh, it was a, like a year or two before Diamond Valley, I think, opened. Oh, cool, man. But we were able to go. You know, we would take that boat to the Horseshoe and Huntington Flats and like out of Dana Point, trying to catch Yellowtail and stuff. Yeah. Um, so we we took that boat everywhere. Um, I put a lot of miles on that boat. Then I traded that boat in for a Maycraft which is probably the world's wettest boat, if you know anybody who has one of those. <laughs> so it was a big boat, and I was like, oh, this is a bigger boat. What size was, just, was that one? It was a 19. Okay. Um, and that boat was, man, it's just, even on the slightly windiest days, you'd get wet in that boat. It was crazy how wet that boat was. Um, and then I just kind of kept moving boats. Yeah. And But that's kind of when I had the Crestliner, and I think that's when the SWA kind of started, the second or third year I had that Crestliner. So, so you're two, pretty original to the whole tournament. Saltwater yeah, bass. so the first um, the first tournament I ever fished, I believe, was a wall banger. So there was a like a like, kind of like a bloody dax years ago that was called All Coast, mm-hmm. and so it's an online forum, and they would every winter throw a like a, a break wall tournament. So it was the only tournament I knew about in the saltwater, and we used to fish the break wall, and we used to always catch fish there. We like, oh, we'd probably go catch some fish there yeah. in the turkey tournament. So we went out, and the first time we fished it, we did pretty good. We got like fifth place or something like that, fourth fourth or fifth place, I can't remember. And the second year we ended up winning it. Um, and then, um, and then the following years when the SWA started and that's kind of when I didn't really know how to do the calico fishing or the, you know, the sand bass fishing really that well. Um, I just had experience in the bays and the break wall mostly. Um, were you a big spotty fisherman at that time? Not really. I, I did, but I wasn't great at it. I, I did it, but I really just fished the break wall. That was like my that was favorite thing to do. Yeah. yeah. And okay. then from there I got more into the bay. That was probably the next thing I started to learn. And then. I started to learn like calico fishing. There was like, I think Eric bent through a tournament in Dana Point. This was before the SWA. Okay. He had like a, like he used to like him and I think James, I don't know if James even did it at the time. Okay. But he, he had a tournament like just to showed up with his trip, pickup truck and everybody threw money in a, in a hat, you know, kind of. And <laughs> DIY, and, huh? Yeah. It was, yeah. it was pretty small time. And from there, um, that was like one of the first times I fished calico bass, you know, and wow. it was, uh, I didn't have any experience, but I was like, oh, we probably catch a couple, you know? So we showed up and fished it and, you know, I don't think we did that good, but we, you know, we caught some fish. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then from there, I think the next year's maybe when the SWA started, I think that was like the whole start of it all. And that's kind of- And you were there from the beginning then? I fished every SWA tournament for the first probably 10 years. Damn, dude. So I, I was at everyone. That was my life. You know, that was, that's what I did. I was were like, you well, married yet? Uh, not yet. So I, <laughs> yeah, my, I was with the girl that I, I did marry at the okay. time. So she, she's, she's known I fished, you know, okay. she had to deal with it, I guess, but she's been good about it. That's you know, cool. She doesn't yeah. hassle me too much about it. A lot of pre-fishing, right? Yeah. So that's, um, yeah, that's what I would do every week and I'd be pre-fishing. And at the first part of it, nobody was really taking it that serious. There was, you know, there was maybe 20, 30 boats that showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd go pre-fishing, you would hardly see anybody else. Maybe you'd see one or two other teams out there. Um, it was, wasn't like it was, you know, um, and then, I think, so that was the first year. 
uh, you know, we kind of learned it all. You know, we did pretty good that year. I think we, we won, like, there was a tie for points, and we were, like, the original kind of angler of the year, but it wasn't angler of the year at that time. Um, we tied was, with another. Who was fishing with you then, like, dudes that My still partner? fish now? Or even guys that fished uh, with you now, like... Maybe so people can get a history of you, um, you know, like... The, my partner at that time was uh, Darren. Okay. A guy named Darren. Uh, I fished with him for the first three years, I think, of the SW two or three years. And um, are you fishing against guys that still fish the SWS? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, there, there, I think there's a few. I had to think about it for a minute, but I yeah. think there's a few. Because that's cool to know, like, people probably wouldn't know you're, like, kind of, like, one of the original um, tournament guys, so it'd be cool to be like, hey... Yeah, I think like some of the big name guys like, you know, like Matt Kopseff and, uh, you know, Scott, they didn't show up for a few years. It took a few years. And there was this one year where like some (laughs) sticks came in. It was like, well, where did all these guys come from? You know, like Jerry Mayhew. And there's just some great guys like that came out of nowhere. Like, you know, and it was like the first year we didn't know what we were doing. And we were able to get, you know, like tied for first place in the points. You know, we, you know, we were kind of learning as we were going. And then the like the second or third year when these guys started showing up, you're like, whoa, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to catch no a check joke, now. Right? Yeah. yeah. And it just got harder and harder as, as time went on. Yeah. Um, so, um, and then I fished, for, uh, I can't remember what year, I think 2016, maybe I, I fished with a guy named Tom Okay. for a couple of years. Um, and I met him from a guy that used to fish the SLBA with somebody else. So he was a brother of that guy. Okay. Um, so I used to fish with him for a few years and then I just, um, went with, uh, Another guy named Patrick, who like Trout King. I don't know if you've seen the Trout King yeah, lures. He makes definitely. those. Okay. Um, and then from there, I went with uh, Ricky, uh, and that's who I kind of the last. That guy was I your last with. guy you yeah. fished with. When was the last tournament you fished? Um, I'm gonna say maybe 2016, 15, 16. I fished one. I just I didn't. Even, I fished by myself. I didn't. Wasn't even planning on fishing it and. Um, there was a Long Beach tournament, and I just, um, that's on a whim. I just said, I'm going to go fish, and I fished by myself. Um, SBS or SWBA? It was SWBA. Okay. Um, so it was a Long Beach. I think I got like third place or something like that. Not bad, man. But uh, yeah, it was kind of on a whim. I just said, oh, I'm, I, at that time, I, I switched boats. So I, I had a Skeeter, a 24 foot Skeeter Bay boat, um, which turned out to be a disaster. It kind of delaminated on me throughout the. No way. Yeah. So I was I had, be like, man, that's an amazing boat. Oh, man. it was an amazing boat. The thing was super fast, you know, yeah. did 50 something miles an hour. It was a pretty dry Shit. boat. It, it was a good boat. Yeah. I think just, you know, the speed and just driving at 50 miles an hour in the ocean, it, it couldn't handle it. You know? So it, it delaminated. And uh, yeah. So then um, the insurance ended up totaling the boat. And Damn. so I ended up using that money and I bought a, a little whaler um, from some guys that fished the. Uh, tournament what size uh 17 foot outrage it's nice huh so yeah it's a great boat it's that's just, what what does bobby have i think he has an 18 dude that's so dry that 17 so dry <laughs> that 17 is one of the driest it's boats like, i've ever been man in. i've been on a couple of boats and i'm like big boats and i'm like yeah. dude, bobby's as dry as shit when i rode with him yeah. and his, you know like yeah it's I a nice a, boat i have a 18 foot trophy walk around that's mm-hmm. like looks like a much bigger boat than the whaler and that boat rides it's a lot wetter you really? know you get wet in that boat even though it's got a big windshield <laughs> on it and it sits higher out of the water yeah um but that that little 17 i don't understand how they do it but that's it's a dry boat yeah somehow right <laughs> so it's just not fast that's the problem it's it, you know it's not like the way i used to fish tournaments i i would i'm on it <laughs> going 50 to my spot fish it for two minutes 50 miles an hour to the next spot but with the the new boat it's like 25 and mm, you know next spot mm, so you only fish like half the water i would normally fish you know so it, which which we want to talk about how you fish tournaments and how they kind of change rules on you because the way you fish them so uh, when you were fishing you got into sand bass 
you're, yeah, so, you're a big sandbass guy, right? Yeah. So I, um, I can't remember the year. Long time ago, uh, Mark Wish came out with a book called Between Two and Twenty Fathoms, and there was waypoints in it. Okay. Um, so I bought that book and I started plugging some in and we'd go out and we're like, well, this is a pretty good spot. You know, this is way better than fishing the, you know, fishing the harbor. You, you catch fish, you catch a lot of fish, they're bigger fish, you catch more fish. Yeah. And you, we started fishing those and, you know, we'd, we'd start learning and like, you know, from there I just kind of kept evolving. I, you know, there was three or 400 spots in that book and I eventually fished them all. And, um, and then from there I kind of started saying, well, there's gotta be other stuff out here. You know, there's, uh. You know, if he's, he's got three or 400 spots I had no idea existed before that book, there's got to be three or 400 more spots that probably exist after that book. Um, so that's kind of when I started devoting a lot of my time to looking for spots. So, so just driving around. Yeah. So when I went to college, I got um, a degree in, uh, well, a master's degree in applied math. And I took this modeling class where I learned a lot about, you know, how, how to do mathematical modeling. So I kind of tried to apply some of those principles to like, like I, I, I wrote a computer program that kind of broke down the ocean into like segments. So I have like spots called like grid, like it like break it into a block, right? And then I would spend like two or three weekends driving around that little block looking. And then I would that save my wild. Man. I would save my track lines, <laughs> so you could save your track lines. Yeah. And I would um, export those into. Uh, Garmin had this software called MapSource, so you mm-hmm. could save your waypoints and track lines and stuff. So from there, um, I would just save them. I had this like big file of just like I would keep adding to it and adding to it. And eventually, I had so many, it would crash the program because my like your track line, like as you as you drive your track line, it like records your latitude and longitude. So it would you know, and that takes up memory in the computer. So I would load these like weeks and weeks and weeks worth of track lines into the software, and the software would just like crash on me, <laughs> you know, because it had so much. So I couldn't load them all at one time. But yeah, I took a very systematic approach to like breaking it down into pieces and just checking out those pieces and driving around and looking at those pieces and spending time focusing on those pieces. Um, and so I kind of, you know, I did a lot of stupid stuff. Like just like, I try to get like techie with it, you know, like back in the day they had something called um, Dr. Depth, which was this software you could buy. Mm-hmm. And if you could get your track lines, because the track lines would export your depth and your latitude and longitude, it would create like a 3D image of your of the bottom spot. So the I would square the, that you hit or that even day. just a specific spot. So yeah. I started with like just wrecks. I started with like the <laughs> I think the first one I did was um, what's the one in Santa Monica called? It's uh, it's the one right in front of the pier. I can't even think of the name of it right now. The break Star wall? of Scotland, I think it's called. Okay. So when I got that software, I I, I would went out there and I took my map card and I put it in and I drove over that spot like 50 times back and forth, back and forth. And then I got home and I plugged it into my computer and I put it in the software and I'm like, Oh, that's what it looks like. That's pretty cool. Um, and then from there I figured out, well, you can take like, I went on eBay and bought like an old Palm pilot, which were like a very outdated equipment at that time. And I bought that thing and I, um, I was able to hook it up to the NMEA, or I don't even know if that's the proper name of it, but there's like four or five wires you can hook it up to your fish finder so you can actually like live feed that Palm Pilot thing as you drove. So you could kind of build the map kind of as you were driving, Damn. which was pretty cool because I, then I went out to Isers and I'm driving around Isers just kind of <laughs> like mapping out all the little yeah. rocks and stuff that are out there. Um, so, I, you know, I, I did stupid stuff like that all the time. Like I would, uh, in the harbor, I used to always mark my waypoints so I would mark my waypoints, and then from there you get a timestamp from your, your, your 
GPX, you know, file would output a like a latitude, longitude, and a time at which you you put the mark. Mm-hmm. Every time I caught a fish, I'd hit the waypoint button. I hit a waypoint button. So I was building a database of all these spots that I was catching fish off of, and which times. were good for which were good for seeing like, oh, this piling right here, I've got nine waypoints on it. Maybe I need to make three casts instead of one cast, you know, because I fish pretty fast in the bay. So I'll hit a piling yeah. and I move on. But those ones that start to build like, like, oh, I've got nine waypoints on this one little dock right here. You, oh, maybe I got to make four casts or five casts instead of one cast. And then the purpose of the time was I had found uh, this website that you could download like time-stamped like tide chart so you could put a time chart in and it would give you like a like you could set the time interval to five minutes and what the tide was at that five minutes and then i would like put my fish to catch times next to those times and then i was trying to like see if there was like a correlation between like the the, the change of tide like the rate at which tide changes and the, when i'm catching fish so Dude. just get kind of nerdy with it you know i just was taking these things because i was like this is kind of at the time i was like you know, taking Dude, that, those classes. No, that's and, just fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> to I just, me, I'm like, fucking, you're really breaking this shit down. Like, yeah. So I took, I think I took a different approach. Most guys, I think, were out there looking for the gumballs, and I was looking for the gumball machine. So I was trying to find these like five pound factories, you know, these places that produced five pound fish, not looking yes. for five pound fish. I was trying to find spots that, you know, you can go there and time and time again catch five pounders. And you want to be able to hit it at this time, this time. Yeah. I, was, I know I'm going to hit I it. I couldn't figure anything out. You know, the, the tie thing that I did with the spreadsheets and all that, mm-hmm. it was kind of a waste of my time, but it gave me something to do in the afternoon. So <laughs> during the weekends when I'm fishing, during the week, I'm playing around because I didn't have kids at this time. So I'd be on my computer, you know, watching TV, kind of playing with stupid stuff like that. Yeah. And most of it never did any good for me, but, you know, it just, gave me something to do and just you know kind of during the weekend i go fishing and during the week i play around with how to catch more fish during the weekend but it's cool because it gives you something to think about like i would be like oh man you could drive around and go look for some shit you know yeah out there i wouldn't think of that like i have the waypoints and my gps and i kind of see where some stuff is you know and but yeah, you could do some research and kind of figure it out from there. Yeah, you know? and we got to keep track of it too. That because I used to do yes. that too, even before I got good at it. Like I'll just I'll just drive around and see what happens. And then you're like the next week, you're like, didn't I just drive by here? And you weren't sure. So that's why I started like breaking it into grids and then no, keeping track of that. Idea. So it wasn't like yes. a waste of my time. So yeah. like the next weekend, I was checking out different water and not the same water. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is about the time that side scan sonar came out or side imaging, I guess not side scan, but side imaging. So I had one of the first like hummingbird models of. Um, like a 998 or something like the very first ones. Um, and I just would, I would just, I was fascinated with that thing. Cause it was just <laughs> like, it was the biggest game changer I'd ever seen in fishing since I'd been alive. You know, yeah. you, you went from just like very like minimalist up and down image of like what the structure there, but what is the structure to, Oh, this looks like four individual boulders kind of clustered together, or yeah. these are light poles, you know, yeah. these are, you know, so it kind of gives you some more insight as to maybe why the fish are at that spot versus just, well, I know it's structure. Cause that's what it was prior to me getting side side imaging. I didn't know necessarily what I was fishing. Yeah. What, what kind of a fish founder do you use now? I still have that old uh, hummingbird. I just bought a new, like the new one that replaced it with the, like, I got it because it does like the bottom hardness mapping and the like it maps. It does pretty much what that software I paid for because I think Hummingbird bought that company out. Oh, really? I think they're the oh, ones wow. that bought because that guy went out of business uh-huh. and I, I, I'd heard he had been bought out. And I think Hummingbird no, is cool. the one that bought him out because a lot of the fish finders now do what I was trying to do with that old software back yeah. in the day. Um, How does your fish finder look just like it has a measles? Waypoints. Wait, oh, I think <laughs> I have to break it up into sections because you, I have so crazy. many waypoints. Really? Like, so I have like a Newport Harbor file. I have like no a Mission way. Bay file. I have San Diego Bay file. I have like Long Beach file. So you take a card and put it at, put it in whatever card you're. So I go. use um I like the the hummingbirds for fish finders. Uh huh. Um and then I like the 
the Lawrence for GPS because they, they let you on one map card. You can have many files, so you can load your file for that day or for okay. that section. Um, whereas Hummingbird, I think you need individual, unless they've changed that, that you needed an individual map card. So if you wanted to go to Long Beach, you had to have a Long Beach map card. Um, and I thought that was kind of a pain in the butt. So yeah, right. I just went, <laughs> I like the way the, the whole, the user interface is on the, yeah. on the Lawrence better than the Hummingbird. Definitely. So did this kind of change when you're looking for structure? It made you want to fish sand bass a little more, right? Yeah, I was, for this? I would get more excited about finding a new spot, you know, because okay. to me that was, you know, uh, it's like a money printer, you know, you, it's not, not, you know, it's, it's no, not finding definitely. a $5 bill. You're, you're finding something that's going to make $5. You know, it's, yeah. it's essentially your, it's, it's, I thought it was way more valuable. I'd much rather find a spot than catch a fish on a given day because I felt like I now had opportunity to catch X number of fish in the future, you know, it was, um, you know, so I, I would spend a lot of time for like, I think I got real serious about it in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market is when I really started doing that. So I'd go and I would literally, cause I had that first generation hummingbird, which is old technology. And the, the, the screens on those were not viewable in daylight. Like when the sun came out, you couldn't see them. <laughs> I'd launch at like midnight and I'd go driving wow, around in the dark because it, it's calm and you, you, you don't get the distortion from the boat rocking. And then you could see your, your fish finder perfectly clear. So these spots that you might miss in the daytime because they're there, um, you, the sunlight's bleeding at your screen Rough. or because the boat's maybe yeah. rocking, you're, you're missing them during the day. I was doing this at like two o'clock in the morning, driving around out there because it's calm and it's dark and you can see your fish finder better. Um, so I did that like 2009, 2010, 2011 is when I was really into doing that. And then I got to a point where I'm like, I got so many spots. I can't even fish these all. Like, you know, I have <laughs> like 13 or 1400 spots just in so the So you just got area. addicted to just Fine yeah spots. yeah and i i marked everything and it's like you know then it's like trying to like group and classify things like well this spot's a you know hard bottom spot in 90 feet of water and you know this spot's you know and like a missed load from a, a rock barge it looks like you know boulders strewn together this is just a natural like you know it's just kind of grouping those and kind of understanding okay so the fish are on this spot so what other spots do i have like that that i could hit that you know are Damn. similar you know so you have like a database where you're going let's do facial recognition almost well and you're like i'm doing that in my mind i don't you know have, but yeah, you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah. like you're looking for uh this shape and you want to hit those shapes if it's biting essentially that yeah yeah wow, so that's it became interesting as shit man yeah so it i would have like the alpha spots so i was like so if i'm pre-fishing for a tournament mm-hmm. or if i'm in a tournament i would have these spots that i would hit first and those would be my indicator spot. So this spot bit, you know, this is my, my number one spot in this zone or this type of structure. 
if that spot's biting, then I need to go check these other spots. If it's not, then I go to plan B, which is check this spot. If that spot's biting, I go to, you know, so I would kind of just run those like, you know, I kind of, and I, I would have routes. So I have routes and in my. you have a plan every time you're doing it. Yeah, would you I, be like, okay, this is, uh, today's going to be low tide at 6 p.m. So I know this the, is how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to look at my. In my, the harbor, yes. yes. Like when I'm fishing okay. bay bass, I do. In the in the open ocean, no. I don't I don't pay attention to Doesn't tides matter. or any of that stuff. Really? I, I, don't, I don't see a personal correlation. I don't know if okay. there is, but I don't see one. In the harbor. harbor because of shallow water. Yeah, in the harbor, like a day of a tournament i would have like i would take one of those like china markers and i would on my de- deck of my boat i would write the the tides every half hour so like wow. it's 1.5 1.7 1.9 and then i would fish areas based on my tide depths so it's like i had certain areas so any given tournament in the harbor newport harbor anyway it's not i didn't fish san diego enough to to put any of this together but newport harbor i'd fish from the mouth of the harbor to the all the way to the back bay every tournament based on tide i would just kind of follow the tide and fish you know, certain zones based on that tide. Dude, amazing. So, yeah, I tried to take a little, I probably went a little overboard, you know, I'm not fishing for, you know, we weren't fishing for $100,000, but it was, you know, it was a hobby, you know, it was something I yeah, did. It was something that was fascinating to me. And, to you, it was serious. Yeah, so it was, it's like, I was passionate you know, about it. It was something um, that I was into. So you were, you are fishing these for a long time and then tell us kind of like how you would do your tournament because they changed the rules on you. So tell us what you were doing that people said, hey, oh, let's, yeah. let's change the rules because this guy's fucking killing it. Let's. <laughs> well, the, the rule change was the no no boundaries. So there was the one year, there used to always be boundaries. And uh-huh. there, you'd have to fish like a 15-mile segment of the coast and you had to fish in that region, and which is fine. We always, no, no problem with that. And then they lifted it. And that first year, we still always fished in the boundaries and we still did pretty good. Um, and then the next year, I got the Skeeter, which opened up the door because it was a big boat, and that boat just flew. What size motor did it have? A two fifty. Oh, so, so it did right. fifty. It did fifty miles an hour, and it it did it in all but the roughest, you know. And even if it was rough, I still did it. You know, I, <laughs> I, I I buried the bow of that boat a few times where I had <laughs> oh, the ice man. chest just floating around in there. But Shit. Um, uh, so that boat opened up some doors to me, and I kind of got the idea. Well, I catch the most fish in Long Beach. Um, I just need to focus on Long Beach and get really good at Long Beach and don't need to drive 120 miles to go down to San Diego, you know, every weekend when I could just figure out Long Beach really good. And then hopefully the weather's okay. And I could drive my boat from San Diego up to Long Beach, which I did in one of the tournaments. San Diego, how long did that take you? Uh, I think it took about two hours. Um, I think I can't remember. It was a long so time that ago. Gave you, that gave you like about six hours. Not even. No, that took two hours one way. Um, Cause it was, I think where we started, it was about 80 miles, the first spot we hit. Uh-huh. And at the end of the day, we were 100 miles from San Diego. How many dead fish did you have? None. No I, way. Never, yeah, I don't think I ever weighed a dead fish. That wow, boat kept the fish man. alive. They they probably died after we let them go, but they were still alive, <laughs> yeah. you know, when, when we weighed them in. So um, that was the first time you said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. No, that was, that was, I think, when the rules started changing because guys were pissed. Um, so then how many times were you doing this before guys got mad? We had one really good season. Um, I think it was 2010 mm-hmm. where we went. Uh, well, the, the, the biggest SWA bag ever weighed for the longest time was 25 pounds. Like that was the, the record weight was 25 pounds for five fish. Um, and that season, the first tournament we could go to Long Beach was we had 29. The second one we had 31, I think. And then the second one we had 24. So we averaged... So you were close About to the all time. Well, we averaged what twenty-seven is, pounds. What is Florentino's uh, mat and? Uh, oh, that one. Spiders. No, that was like thirty-four. That's a beast of a record. Yeah. That's probably never going to fall. Yeah, I don't know what it was. <laughs> that thing's a beast of a record. Yeah, though. but we just had this consistent like twenty-five, 
25 poundish bag. Which is a big fucking bag, right? Yeah. I um, mean, I went to I went to uh, one SBS and just watched the weigh-ins because mm-hmm. I just I mean I'm like interested dorking out on yeah. it. So I'm like I want to check it out, and I'm like, fuck, man, 20 pounds is like yeah, yeah a yeah. good well day. 20 pound bags for the first five years of the SW, six years it would win any of them. Yeah, you know, 18 pounds would win yeah. a lot of them. You know, and then and then. I don't know what changed. Guys just figured stuff out. I can think Braid came in, like 40, 50-pound fluoro so came in. So you were in. fishing before Braid? Well, yeah, but... Well, I mean, like SWB yeah, was a big... I think I were... first started fishing Braid in like 2007, probably, um, is when I started getting okay. into it. Um, but I, I, I don't know what, what were the factors that caused the bag weights to change. Like, guys just figured it out, and yeah. now it takes 25 pounds to win almost every tournament. Right. You know, or <laughs> mid-20s, you know, so it's... Yeah. Something happened. You know, guys just got better. Techn- the techniques got better. Technology got better. You know, guys are starting to say, oh, you know, so-and-so won the tournament at this spot. Now everybody knows about that spot. And it's kind of like, you know, like guys were still kind of, I think, new at figuring out the saltwater bass thing. It wasn't, you know, there was guys that were coming in, these freshwater guys that came in that were very dominant freshwater fishermen. They were able to apply their techniques to saltwater. But, like Hobseth. And, yeah. And, and Scott, right? Scott yeah, there's B. a few of them. Yeah. Mayhew and there's yeah. you know, there's a group of them and they just, they were beast, you know, they were yeah. great anglers and, um, but I still think I'm not, I don't know, maybe they did have a lot of experience, but I think even those guys were still kind of learning saltwater bass fishing, you know, it was still kind of, yeah. you know, they probably did it before I, maybe I'm out of line saying this, I don't know, but you know, I, I think it was still kind of new to everybody, you know, guys were doing it, but it just, you know, the technology and the, the game was changing. The weedless swim baits weren't around, you know, guys got into that. I think that was a big deal changer for the salt or the, the Calico guys. What year was that when that kind of started getting big? The weedless? weedless? Yeah. I don't really know. Cause I never got into it. You never I, got, I never into, got it. into that train. Do you um, do it now? Do you fish a, weedless a little bit? Now? I don't, it's not, much. it's not something I'm into. So you I still fish a lot. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I'm more, I took a break from the kids. I got, I had kids and then that's kind of why I stopped. Are you back main, into it a little? I'm fishing about once a week now. Really? Maybe. Yeah. So Long Beach. Long Beach. I've been Santa Monica's been my thing. Really? So I've been really trying to hit Santa Monica. I've been learning. I've been kind of like I did Long Beach, where I was trying to learn Long Beach and just You're trying to, to learn Long Beach. Santa Monica. Right I'm now. really focusing on Santa Monica. So. Yeah. And I like the calico fishery there, so I Dude. can actually catch calicos there and I catch <laughs> some good ones, you know. Whereas I can't catch them in PV for I can catch them, but I just <laughs> I'm never gonna win a tournament in PV. Yeah. I don't plan to. I don't ever think I'm gonna. So are you gonna start entering again? I've thought about it. I don't. You know. A kind of you know, a couple of the reasons why I stopped was one was yeah, the kids. Yeah, let's, let's know let, why did you stop? So I, mean, I heard you were a big force in the tournament scene. So uh, for someone to just stop is kind of weird. Yeah. So I mean, uh, I mean, like I said, it's all hearsay for me. Like I yeah. just hear you're a really good fisherman. So of course I want to interview you. Know this, you know, like. So the the main reason is my kids. I was you okay. know I had kids and I didn't want to spend. Yeah, I was fishing so much on the weekend. I'd fish. I was fishing a hundred days a year probably when I was Shit. at the because I'm a teacher, so I have the summers off. So I'd fish, you know, a couple days to two, three, four days a week during the summer sometimes, and I'd mm-hmm. fish both days on the weekends a lot of times when I was taking the, the tournament serious. Um, and I just didn't want to spend that kind of time away from my kids. You know, I want to see them grow up and not miss things no. because I'm out fishing. Hundred percent. So that was like number one, and then number two is like to be honest, it's it's kind of like made me forget why I liked fishing, like why I fell in love with fishing. And it's like, you'd go out and you'd find the spot and it'd be like loaded with fish and you're like, all right, we can't fish it. We got to go. We got to save this for the tournament. And you, you go back to the tournament day and the fish weren't there. And you're like, oh man, how many fish could I have caught if I just, and it's just like that type of thing. It just kind of sucks the fun out of it, you know? And then I felt like guys were getting mad at me because of, you know, like we were running to Long Beach and guys were like complaining about changing the rules. I felt like guys were getting pissed because drama, just drama, yeah, it was a lot so. of drama with, you know, no one said anything directly to me, but yeah. I know there was a lot of people like talking to behind my back. Um, you know, like 
trying to get the rules to get changed because oh it's not fair you can run to the same spot you know it wasn't an issue for a while and then as soon as you know i started winning tournaments it seemed like no you can't do that anymore you know that so, was that was a uh, generalized uh, rule sbs and swba well this time? was before sbs sbs kind of so started SBS start so i I'm i don't know the exact year i think five years 2013 ago. or 12 okay. maybe i don't my, I don't think my kids were born at this time. Okay. Might have been the like when my daughter was one or two, maybe. Um, would have been the first year. So maybe 2012. Okay. Um, and I don't think there was rules like that in the SBS. I don't, I don't really know. I only fished a few SBS tournaments. I didn't fish a ton of them, so I don't know all the rules. And I know mm-hmm. they change. So, you know, I know like some of their tournaments, you can run to the islands if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, so you could fish wherever you wanted to, essentially. Um, but I don't know. Like I know there was years where you could do that, and years I think where you couldn't do year, that. This year, you can't run to the islands. Yeah, they have, they have a lot of uh, uh, boundaries. This yeah. Year. yeah, from what I've looked at the internet and talked to dudes, like yeah. But so, uh, you'd probably kill it on Long Beach. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I haven't. I changed the way I fished the last few years. I've gotten into more like I try to catch numbers now. So I got one of those little clickers, and I'll take the click. Like I, I just. You know, I'll use 10 pound test and a spinning rod and a small bait and I just go out and try to catch fish. You know, I don't care how big they are. You don't, you don't go heavy, this heavy as you would have. No, yeah. no. Cause it's not really fun. You know, you're not catching that many fish either. See, this know? is where I kind of change Cause I'm, I, I used to fish really light. Uh-huh. So like I've talked to Eric Ben a lot and he's kind of like that too, real light. So I'll go to Crystal Cove and fish light. Um, but then I'll throw an A rig or something like that. I've never thrown it and I'll catch like a five pound sand bass. Yeah. And I'm like stoked as fuck, you know? Yeah. So, and I'm running 40 pound, you yeah, know? Yeah. Well, you're throwing an A rig. You better be running 40 pounds because you're going to lose <laughs> some money if you lose that thing. So I have, I already did, but. <laughs> yeah. So when I'm fishing an A rig, I'll fish heavy. But if I'm just fishing a little like one ounce swim bait, you know, four inch swim bait, I'll fish 12, 10, 12, 15 One pound ounce, pounds. you'll fish 12. I've been fishing, I've got one of those um, spot lock trolling motors. Yeah. So you can set up on a spot and you can like, you know, there's a lot of suspended fish that I was fishing through before because I didn't have one of those trolling motors. So I'd, I'd fish a spot and I'd drift it and I'd fish heavier heads to get down there quick. Um, cause otherwise if you don't get down there quick enough, you're going to, by the time your bait hits the bottom, you're 50 feet from the, the rock pile. So or yeah, the structure. I got those questions coming up for you, buddy. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I would fish um, lately off. I don't fish heavier than one and a, one, one and a half would be if the current is just really? ripping. Um, wow. because you know, if you, if you're sitting up on a spot with spot lock and you're not moving, you know, those fish are up in the column, you're going right through them. You know, if you float like, you know, a half ounce jerk shad or something like that through them, you know, it's game on. You can catch a fish every cast, you know, they're you, not necessarily uh, big, and that's but 12 pound you're using a uh, liter. When I'm doing something like that, 12, sometimes I'll use 15. Um, I still light. Yeah. Oh yeah. I would fish nothing less than 40 during a tournament because I'm fishing in the rocks on the bottom, you know, I'm in the thick of it and you know, you don't want to break a seven or eight pound fish off, you know? Yeah. That's what I, I lost a fish at Crystal Cove. I was fishing a 20 pound uh-huh. towards the beach and that's where I fish a lot because I, I fish surfish there. So I kind of know the beach uh-huh. really good. So, uh, but yeah, I'm learning like, man, sometimes you gotta, yeah, you know, fishing, go up, but sometimes it's like fun to like, if you have something on 15, it feels like yeah, you're a monster, yeah. you know? Like I told one of my buddies, I figured out how to catch a five-pound bass on every cast. And he's like, what? what, what? Like, he was excited to hear. It was all, use 10-pound test and a spinning rod, you know? They feel like five pounds, you know? They don't have to be five pounds, but they feel like it, you know? So, yeah. um you know, yeah, it's just, it's, I'm, you know, it's more fun. You know, it's, you go out and, like, the way you win a tournament, you know, when I used to do the all-across tournaments, 
every time I get those guys on the boat, because they're usually like executive guys that don't, yeah. they're not fishermen, but you know, you're tasked with putting them on fish. Mm-hmm. I'd ask them every time, you guys want to win the tournament or you guys want to catch fish? Because it's two different fishing philosophies. And they'd always say, I want to win the tournament, you know? And I'm like, all right, so we're going to be hitting a lot of spots. We're not going to be catching a lot of fish. I said, we're going to be running. We're going to be moving a lot. You're going to be winding up 15, no, maybe an hour, hour and a half into the tournament. After I'm like, start to tell they're getting mad because I'm moving the boat so much. I'm like, you guys want to just start catching fish? And they're like, no, no, we want to, we want to win, you know? <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, just trust me here. It could happen at any minute. You yeah. know, it's like you pull into one of these spots and everybody in the boat can hook a five pounder. You know, it's just, you just, it's, it could happen. You know, if we change minds, it's not going to happen, but we might catch 50 fish, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's just, it's different. You know, you, you got to pick what's, you know, if I don't catch a five pounder, I don't really care. If I catch fifty, that's that's more fun to me than catching one five pounder. I get I I'm, so I back that. Um, but I'm now I'm it. now I'm kind of in this spot where I've been. It's only been a couple of years of like calico bass. Uh-huh. So I'm like, I love catching a lot of them, but catching those big ones is so yeah <laughs> yeah know, like, it is yeah. <laughs> so yeah, if you're gonna do that, you got to fish bigger baits. You got to fish heavier line. Yeah. You know, you just so that's why I want to get to these questions really right. quick. But so I got a couple questions that I I wrote down because I'm a bass dork. All right. <laughs> so, uh, I I usually go like I go to Isers. Okay. Mm-hmm. How long do you spend on one spot? Like I'll spend if I catch a fish, I'll spend fucking an hour there, hour and a half. Too long. Really? Way too long. <laughs> yeah. If I yeah I back when I had the old boat where I didn't have a trolling motor on it or the trolling motor was not functioning. Yeah. I would do one drift, and if that spot did not look very promising on the fish finder, or I did not catch anything, I was gone to the next spot. I mean, I just have too many spots. I can't spend time sitting on a spot that didn't produce or doesn't look like it's going to produce. Yeah. Um, now that I have the trolling motor with that spot lock, I'll spend a little more, but sometimes I won't even put that in the water. So I'll do a drift. If I catch a fish, then it goes down. If it doesn't go down, I, I move on. But if it goes down, I'll give it. You know, it depends if I'm catching fish. If I go five or ten minutes without catching a fish, I'm out of there. I'm not. I don't have. Do time you? For that. So after you drift that, uh-huh. do you go back? set up in this same exact drift and then spot lock like uh, that's one question i have is because i'll i'll drift over it and it's like when do i drop down when do i spot lock kind of like how how do you know like when to hit that perfect spot it on those depends on if i'm coming over with the trolling motor or the fish finder or okay. with the outboard i mean so usually i won't put the trolling motor down unless i've been like maybe the last trip i i wrecked them there so i'm like oh i know there's fish there i'm gonna i'm gonna come in with the trolling motor on this one mm-hmm. but if it's you know if i haven't fished like i fish long beach yesterday actually mm-hmm. i didn't really fish for bass i fished for yellowtail but we hit a couple bass spots on the way home i didn't put the trolling motor down because i was like i don't know if there's going to be fish here so i did one drift and looked at the fish finder said ah, it doesn't really like that good but let's drop down because we're here uh we drifted nothing moved on to the next one um if i get bit what i'll do is i'll put the trolling motor down i'll come back over it and with that trolling motor do you, do you have one of those trolling motors i or? do have a spot okay. lock yeah so um the, those trolling motors like to head the, the bow of the boat into the current or the wind. So you have to kind of understand that as you're coming up on the spot. So you want to try to position the boat so that the front of the boat, you kind of, I kind of keep the back of the boat. I don't fish from the bow of my boat. So I fish in the, in the stern of my boat because I um, you stand back by the center console. So yeah. I'll come and I'll try to get the back of my boat hovering over, over the spot. So I know some guys like to use their side scan and, and, you know, try to set that spot like 50 feet out to the left or to the right or whatever. Mm-hmm. I actually sit on top of the spot unless the water's super clear, but usually the water's not so clear that I would be worried about that. Um, so I'll, I'll um, come over the spot and then I'll try to get the bow of my boat just um, 
just above the rock pile. So then if it also depends on if there's current, if there's a lot of current, I'm going to probably want to get my, my boat a little further above the, the rock pile so that if you're fishing a lighter bait, it'll the just kind of drift down yeah. through that stuff. Yeah. Um, if there's not much current, I'll sit right on top of the spot. Wow. So it just depends. You and that was another easy. question I had is, do you, do you come up to the side or to the left, to the right, depending on the wind, the time of day? Because when you break down that spot, I'll like, are you going to spook anything depending how deep it is? You know, like most of the spots I fish, I don't feel are deep or they're deep enough where you're not, they're not 20 feet of water, you know, I, and I feel like some of those spots have, you know, tugboats driving over them and, you know, the Catalina flyer goes over them. I don't think they're you think all once scattering. You get past like 40 feet, you're, you're I think you're good. good if the water's kind of dirty, which it is most of the time in Long yeah. Beach, it's pretty dirty. So I don't think it matters too much. Okay. Um, personally, I'd be more interested in on like, you know, if I know the way that the the spot orients, you know, you kind of want to be up current of like, you know, if there's like a ledge or something, you know, of on one side of that spot, the fish are probably going to be sitting on that side and you kind of, you know, want to set your boat up according to that. Not so much like time of day. Yeah. Um, more of like how the spot lays out probably than, than time of day. It's like the sun, you know, if you're calico bass fishing, you probably don't want the sun casting a shadow up to where yeah. you're going to cast because yeah. you know, they're, they're up higher in the water column, but the, the sand bass are, you know, 40 feet down and the water's got six feet of visibility. I don't think it matters. Great. So. And there's another question for you. All right. What is your favorite bait to use when you're dropping down deep? Cause that's been my question. I barely learning how to like fish deep structure. Usually uh-huh. I'm banging the wall, banging, you know, kelp, throwing jerk shads into the kelp, stuff like that. So now I'm trying to learn how to fish deep to catch yeah. big sand bass, stuff like that. I just love catching fish. Uh-huh. Uh, what's your favorite bait to use uh, when you're going real deep? Uh, I don't know the name of it. Um, it's I make Our type it, of bait. It's, it's a swim bait. I think it might be a 22nd Street um, bait. I got it from Patrick, uh, okay. the guy I used to fish with. He had a mold for it. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's like a kind of like a freshwater swim bait. I think it's it's a fat stubby bait. It's got big profile, mm-hmm. um, but it's not like a it's not like a viejo that's long and skinny. I would say avoid those baits when you're fishing vertically because really the fish will like taco those things so as those things sink down like slugs you don't you wouldn't i'll fish a slug sometimes yeah um uh but i just the long swim baits that they tend to like i feel like they get tacoed so like a fish will come up and then like this so long if they like the way they hit it they might fold the tail into that hook um and then it you know it you're essentially hooking the plastic again inside the fish mm-hmm. but the, the bait i fish is kind of compact it's probably only five five and a half inches long fat. but it's fat yeah. it's it's a thick it's it's a, it's a, it's a it gives a good profile so it's yeah. a big bait it moves a lot of water but it's not it's not a long bait so it's you know um and i that's I don't what really you usually go to your go-to bait it's what i usually fish on yeah. a, and i don't uh, see lead head? On, a, on a heavier lead head like two to three ounces wow um, war baits or I just I make them. It's like a gumdrop oh. shaped head. Yeah, it's it's just a. You're one of those guys. You make a lot of stuff. Your own stuff. Yeah, I try to. Yeah. Um. Now that I'm, I got kids and I'm, I get a little worried about the cancer stuff. So hopefully, I don't, <laughs> you know, I, I tell my buddy like I went fishing with my buddy the other day. He's like, oh, man, I keep using all your baits. I said, don't worry, they're free. Well, except you know maybe they're costing me my life, but you know they don't cost me any money because I just I don't even use fancy like I just melt down the plastic. So my I got like brown meltdown, green meltdown, and purple meltdown. You know, it's like you throw the. You're not a big color guy then. No, really not care. at all. Yeah, I think it matters with the calico fish. If the mm-hmm. water's kind of clear, but in 50 feet of water, 60, 70 feet of water, and if it's kind of dirty, I don't think those fish could see anything really? down there. I think it's just movement and, really? you know, if they feel it and they can, there's a profile. I don't think, personally, I don't think that color matters. Yeah. At least wow. not for sand bass. What's your PB sand bass? Uh, probably eight and a half. I've never really. Really? Yeah. Never, nothing too big. I've gotten a lot of eight pound fish. Um, same thing. Calico's biggest, like eight and a half. I've never caught a 10 pound fish. I don't catch... 
you know, even there in the tournaments, we, you know, we do very well with four to six pound fish. That's what we, we weigh five, four to six pound fish. Yeah. Um, yeah. no, we weren't really getting and your eight. biggest bag was 30. Uh, it was right around 31. It might've been a little under a little over. I can't, I can't remember that now that the SWBA doesn't have a website anymore. You used to be able to find all that information on there. I don't really know. I don't remember. It's been so yeah, long, Yeah, but it's, it was, yeah. And the, Third, high 30s, low 31s. Yeah. So, what kind of rod are you using in real when you're dropping deep? Um, I use uh, like a Terramar 70, it's the old one, the brown ones. Mm-hmm. I think they, they don't make them anymore. The mm-hmm. 76 XH. And then I fish, uh, well, at the time when I was fishing tournaments, I'd fish a Corrado 300. Um, but I've been using Lexa, or not Lexa, uh, Tranks 400s now. Um, those reels are beasts. Those. Do you think they, they hold up pretty well in the salt? Oh, they're amazing. Like yeah. I've got a Corrado that I just opened like two months ago. It thinks already seized up on me and oh, I have tranks gosh. that I've been using for the last six months and they still work perfect. Really? So I, wow. I'm no longer, I'm just buying tranks in the future yeah. because they seem to hold up to the salt water. And when you're dropping down deep, uh, what size line like leader are you using? I use 65 pound, um, like braid uh-huh. and then usually 40 pound of uh, fluoro or mono. Okay. Um, that's usually your go-to. That's if like, I'm fishing a tournament. If I'm not fishing a tournament, then it's yeah, completely like say different. fun fishing too for for guys. For fun fishing, like, I'll fish like a like a heavy like a flipping rod, like a freshwater bass flipping rod, going deep too much. Yep, and I'll fish like a 200 size reel, <laughs> um, with like maybe 30 or 40 pound braid, and then like tw- 20 at the max. Like no anywhere way, anywhere from 12 yeah, to 20. That's cool. Yeah. So it just makes it a lot more fun. You yeah, know, you, I break fish off, but it's not like you know if I break it off, I break it off. You know, it's not unless like, it's uh, that one, huh? I guess, yeah. I mean, but, you know, for that, the possibility of that one, you miss out on the fun of, you know, hundreds of other fish. Which has maybe changed your mind, whole, your mindset, right? From turning yeah, fishing, I mean, it's like, you're kind of like, yeah. you take your kids out with you? Uh, I wish. They don't like it. Really? So I try to get my, uh, I try to get them to go. I, they don't like it. Yeah. I, yeah. My son, we went to Mountain Lakes. We have like a RV and we go camping up there. And uh, so it's like a little private lake and they stock catfish like during the summer every week. So I took him up there one time and we were just whacking the catfish and I'd let him reel them all in. And I'm like, oh, reel this one in. He's like, uh, I don't, I don't really want to reel it in. <laughs> and all the people around were laughing. They're like, that kid doesn't even want to reel the fish in. You know, they thought it was so funny. I was like embarrassed. I had it to put my head your down. Heart. <laughs> your heart just broke in half. So, but I, I tell him he's coming. I'm getting a new motor on, uh, on my trophy. So I said, when I get oh, that really? new motor, you're, uh, you're coming with me. I said, cause you know, I, you're coming with me. So you have two boats right now. Yeah. So the, the whaler, I don't really feel safe bringing my kids on cause it's so small. It'd be easy for one of them to fall out. Mm-hmm. Um, but the trophy, you know, it's a lot deeper. How big is your trophy? It's 18. It's just 18 feet, but it's a lot like higher out of the water. Do you the, do a lot of lake fishing still too? I do a little bit. Um, really? Not too much. I do. I go with my buddy Darren on his boat to Pudding Stone like once a week oh, during you're the still summer. Hitting, you're still in Pudding A little bit, Stone, yeah. Huh? Not for my, We fished it uh, Tuesday. We both got one. Really? Uh, wasn't much to write home There's about. There's a tournament coming up, dude. You should enter it. At Pudding Stone? Yeah. Oh, no. I don't know Pudding Stone well enough. I'll be giving my money away at that thing. <laughs> it's. Uh, I think it's it's either free or something like cheaper. Really? It's a, it's like it's a thing. It's heavy set crew, it's called. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, there's like all kinds of sponsors and they're giving oh, nice. stuff away. Cool. I think I'm going to go cruise and just try to fish, yeah. mess around with the kids. Nice. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> but that's yeah, a you're tough local, tournament. I, yeah. I, that's a tough lake. I it mean. is a very yeah. tough lake. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine fishing a tournament at that lake. That'd be a stressful tournament. Yeah. So, it's hour to away and we've only got one fish and we don't <laughs> got any. You know, it's like, you know, that's a, that's a brutal one. Yeah. So, well, dude, thanks for coming on. Really no appreciate problem. it. Uh, 
Hopefully you enter some tournaments soon, man. You, you need to get back out there. That's what I'm know? telling my son. One, one of these days he gets bigger. Hopefully he'll get into it. I'll, maybe I'll fish a couple if he gets. Maybe I'll fish the Father's family son, division right? of the SBS or something. Yeah. I saw that and I was like, I wonder if one of my kids would do that with me. But as of right now, I don't think it's a go. <laughs> so maybe you can fish the family and kill it. I'm sure. Yeah, maybe we'll see. Just bring him there and say, "Here's your iPad, dude. Just put my fish it down." Go sleep in the. Yeah, I got a little bed on the trophy. So I was like, "Just go down and sleep in the bed area." But, and Dad will kill it over here under so, the. Those those bags are catching ice. I was looking at the weights they're weighing in, and I was like, "They're pretty good." Like there's the family a, division is still pretty it, it, competitive. You know, it's not like you can just go out there and. There's a guy, uh, two guys, uh, father son, with a little uh, like a champion looking uh, bass boat uh-huh. with fifteen foot like. A bass, freshwater bass boat, uh-huh. and they won. I think the last one or the one before. Nice wall. Yeah. It was just all the wall, so they killed yeah. It. All, all the all the bags I've seen them weighing in, and I'm like, I don't think I could be twenty. Yeah, yeah, like, like, I don't, you know, like yeah. I can't go out there and just win it. <laughs> pretty good. I mean, the, the competition's gotten a lot better. I mean, there's yeah. good. There's a lot of good guys. The information is so available. You know, the, the, you can get articles from Pacifico Sport Fishing. Yeah. YouTube videos. You know that. Bloody decks doesn't seem like there's as much information. There used to be a bass, or there is a bass form, but it's not as yeah, lively as it once yeah, was. Exactly. I think everybody went to like social media or something. But do you post pictures on social media at all? I don't have a social media account, so wow. I'm out of the loop. I have no idea what people are doing Man, or what's going on. That's kind of cool. So right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> it'd be nice, I guess, if I knew where people were catching fish. But um, you don't. They yeah. block it out anyway. Do they? So, yeah. <laughs> I got a buddy who'll send me pictures. Hey, I saw this guy on Instagram. Got you know. This year, you know, he'll be telling me stuff like that, but I'm like, I don't even know how to look at it because I don't have an Instagram <laughs> account. So, you know, he has well, to send me a screenshot. <laughs> so, well, thanks again, bro. I appreciate no it. No problem. Very informative. All right. Uh, thanks, thanks for, for having me. Down. Yeah. For thank sure. you for doing this. Uh, it gives me something to look forward to when I'm driving to work. And thanks, uh, I think dude. a lot of guys appreciate what you're doing. So, appreciate thank it, you man. for what you're doing. All right. Hopefully, you guys see Eric soon uh, killing everyone in the bass tournaments. <laughs> All right. Take care.